ladies, this is Jessica Iterole. And I'm Barbara Saunders Livingston. And we want to welcome you to the Seeking Holy Podcast. A podcast for women seeking Christ in a challenging world. As you listen, we hope you'll be encouraged to open God's Word to seek Him and strengthen your abiding relationship with Christ. Whether you find yourself with plenty of time or not enough time, pour yourself a cup of coffee, grab your Bible, and join us for Seeking Holy. Hey, ladies, God himself has given his stamp of approval regarding the faith of some. We have many examples we can glean from in the scriptures. You've heard of the Hall of Fame, right? Most would love their name to be found there. But have you heard of the Hall of Faith? It's kind of like the honor roll of faith listed by God himself. Shouldn't the highest, most coveted accolade be to please God? to bring him pleasure. There's an entire list of heroes and even a couple heroines of faith found in Hebrews chapter 11. Mm, Yes. And this is such a special passage. And it's no wonder that our research on faith leads us here, right to the very heart of the Christian life. For there is no Christian life without faith. These examples of faith in Hebrews 11 are a spiritual faith. A faith so deep and abiding in God that natural man cannot comprehend. Yeah, so these all walked by faith and not by sight. They all desired a better place, a heavenly one. So I won't take the time to read the entire passage, but there are seven verses in Hebrews 11, a resume, if you will, dedicated to reasons these are honored for their faith like conquering kingdoms, administering justice, obtaining promises, shutting the mouths of lions, quenching raging fires, escaping the edge of the sword, gaining strength after being weak, becoming mighty in battle, putting foreign armies to flight, or just some that are mentioned. In Hebrews 11.16, it says, Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Wow, they were approved through their faith, believing and waiting and living their lives as if God's promises were true. I don't know about you, but I don't want God to be ashamed of me. I want to live my life in faith. Again, there's not time to detail everyone on the list, but a few I'd like to highlight so we can glean a bit as to why and what gave these the place in the faith line. And so Abel, he was murdered, as you know, by his brother Cain for his offering that he made in faith. And we learn from him that biblical faith-filled pilgrimage is sometimes gruesome and costly, proclaiming even from the ground, if the worst comes as a result of your faith, it will be rewarded. Noah, he expressed faith when he believed God and he built the ark, having never seen rainfall yet being warned of a worldwide flood, likely making him the poor end of many jokes. But only eight people were right, and the rest perished. Noah and his household were rewarded, and the world condemned by his life and testimony. He became an heir of righteousness based on his faith, which lives on. And when Paul reminds the Jewish Christians and us in 1 Peter 3.20, says, In the days of Noah, only a few people 
Eight in all were saved through water, but God protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. Absolutely. And this example of Noah reminds us that faith will always lead us to do something. Yeah. So just think of all the amazing things Moses did and God accomplished through him. You know, standing on holy ground while witnessing a burning bush that was not being consumed. Obtaining the two stone tablets with the Ten Commandments literally written by the finger of God. Including in Exodus 33, Moses even desires to see God. Moses asks, now please show me your glory. Um, You know, one of my deepest desires and greatest anticipation is to one day see God. Wow. The pure in heart shall see God. Matthew 5, 8 tells us. But it wasn't any of these mind-blowing, probably tinkling my pants, witnessing events, which Moses made the list and God commemorated him for. It was um, by faith he left Egypt behind, not being afraid of the king's anger. It says that Moses persevered as one who sees him who is invincible. So by faith he instituted the Passover, and by the sprinkling of blood, crossing the Red Sea, and included, which strikes my heart the most, is this. So Hebrews eleven twenty four. it says, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and he chose to suffer with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the short-lived pleasures of sin. For he considered the reproach because of the Messiah to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, since his attention was on the reward, an important aspect of walking with God, pleasing him. Demonstrating faith is refusing to find our identity in and with who and that which conforms to and represents the worldly, short-lived pleasures and treasures of the world and sin. One commentary stated it like this, instead of being found in a museum as an Egyptian mummy, Moses is famous as a man of God. So the contempt and the reprehension and rejection of people in this life is nothing compared to the reward coming. This, ladies, is what God honors and who he places as a hero in his hall of faith. So I definitely want to highlight uh, the two ladies on the list. Um, Sarah, she was past the time that she could bear children, but by faith, miraculously, she conceived when she was about 90 years old. Now, remember, at first she laughed and she prompted Abraham to know her handmaiden, Hagar, in order to conceive. You know, as if God wasn't on time or at least on her schedule, she still makes it into this hall of faith. And there's Rahab, uh, the prostitute, uh, known as the harlot, even though it's unknown when exactly she became a believer and abandoned the false religions of Canaan. But when she was tested, she proved to be loyal and true to the Lord and stand on his side. And by so doing, Betraying her country, she received the spies and not perishing with those who disobeyed. And so we also see Lois and Eunice um, in 2 Timothy 1, 4 through 7. But we see through these that there is always so much at stake by exercising our faith, belief in, and obedience to God. 
and his word and direction, but there's blessing from God. Mm. Amen. Amen to that and all of that. <laughs> and in light of talking about these examples, I'm thinking of Sarah, and you can't think of Sarah without thinking about Abraham. They kind of go hand in hand in so many ways. And while Abraham did step out in faith, going to the place God promised him, his faith was not perfect. Abraham first went halfway to where God called him and only eventually obeyed completely. Yet thousands of years later, God did not remember the delayed obedience, only the faith. Also, Abraham lived as a sojourner in the land God promised, never owning any of it except the plots that he and Sarah were buried on. Dwelt translates the ancient Greek word periokos, describing a resident alien, one who lives somewhere but doesn't have permanent status there. And note the interpretation, the description of a sojourner is witnessed, the way one talks, the way they dress, their mannerisms, their entertainment, their citizenship, and their friends. It all speaks of their native home. If someone is the same in all these areas as the natives, they're no longer sojourners. They're permanent residents. And Christians shouldn't live as if they're permanent residents of planet Earth. They dwelt in tents with Isaac and Jacob because they had no permanent home. They lived in tents instead of houses, looking forward to a better city, the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I mentioned this earlier in the series, but in the exploration of faith, I'm utilizing my notes on several sermons on the topic for some of these points, and I want to be sure to share them here. We'll have the references for you in the show notes, and they include sermons from Bill Foote, Alistair Begg, Paul Washer, and several extractions from commentaries located in the, in the Blue Letter Bible app. Stay tuned. Looking to take your Bible reading to a deeper level? Check out the Blue Letter Bible, an online Bible-centered resource of study tools linked directly to Bible passages, including commentaries, encyclopedias, maps, images, and much more. Your daily Bible reading will come alive as you explore the context of passages by expounding upon text and audio commentaries, search scriptures, and examine the original meaning of Hebrew and Greek words utilizing the lexicon feature. So, if you're wanting to dive deeper into understanding God's Word, download the Blue Letter Bible app or visit blueletterbible.org. Hebrews 11, the Hall of Faith, leads right into Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. Amen. And in light of looking to Jesus, of laying aside the weights and running the race, we're tempted to ponder, well, what is God's will for my life? Isn't it interesting to observe these examples in the Hall of Faith and realize that they were unable to discern the will of God in its entirety until they looked back and then they marveled? 
I've heard that the reasons why we put so much energy and focus into discerning the will of God for our lives is because either A, we don't fully trust God, and we need to know where he's taking us, or B, we glory in thinking that we're sensitive enough to hear from God. And while I absolutely believe this to be true and applicable really to all of us, I also wonder if we've been misdirected into thinking we're supposed to pursue the will of God by knowing exactly what it is the will of God is for our life. Hmm. We've spent so much energy in trying to see that and get that vision so that we may carefully walk in it and we've wasted precious time in doing so. The will of God for our lives is for us to seek and obey Him. And He has revealed His will in His precious word. I'll say it again and again, that same rhetoric. It's not a secret hidden from us or made only for the intellectual to interpret. But to fixate on perceiving His will ahead of time is equated so much with us and our ability. If we put that effort into praying to him and we focus on asking for guidance and obeying his written will, he will lead us. Even if he doesn't speak to us directly, he will lead us and we will know it is his will as he takes us to where he wants us to go. Let us not trust in our ability to hear, but instead trust in God's ability to lead so again, God's will for our life is to obey the commands of God. We can leave the rest to Him. We don't have to figure it out. Isn't that a relief? Amen. There's no longer the pressure to figure out what special plan God has for us. Oh, He has special plans for you, all right. But you won't find them if you're just trying to peek ahead. I feel like as I say that, I'm speaking directly to myself because for years I pursued this and I just wanted to know what God's plans were for me so that I could line everything up and measure and act according to his, the supposed plan I thought it may be or didn't know. But I think the intentions in that, they're well-meaning, but it just doesn't work that way. God reveals his perfect providence and hand upon our lives as we look back and see that in the pathways where we were just following God, doing what he said, obeying his word, seeking him, trusting him, it's then we begin to see, wow, look at what God was doing. Look at how he was preparing me. Look at how he was training me. He was covering me. That's what that was for. We will find the will of God in these moments. Remember, Abraham didn't know where he was going. He couldn't possibly fathom the extent to where his obedience to God reached, even well into the 21st century. Yet all he did was seek, listen, and obey God step by step. Let us trust in the great ability of God to lead. We should be optimistic about every work of God because everything he does, he finishes. Yes, absolutely. I know I was taught that God grants us just enough light to take the next step. And when we take that step, he illuminates more of the path. <laughs> so... 
Um, remember in Romans 12 too, it tells us that we are not to be conformed to this age, but we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So what would being a hero in the faith look like today? Huge crowds, fancy top-of-the-line cars and clothes and jets, gorgeous sanctuaries and buildings, signs, miracles, and wonders, lots of lights and stages, vast array of instruments and trained voices. Does your outward gift reveal your inward faith? Are we being deceptive through playing the part and putting on the front but not producing real spiritual fruit? When your living faith is walked out, does it stimulate faith in others like when reading the Hall of Faith is designed to do for us today? Finally, what is it we may have faith in which is faulty and failing us? Have you tapped into the true root, Jesus himself, so you can be nourished with real faith? Once again, we thank you for joining us in this series. Tune in tomorrow, where we'll be talking about measures of faith, casting mountains into the sea. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you can be notified when new episodes are released. Also, please feel free to rate and review our podcast and share it with all your friends. Thank you for spending your time with us. We hope you're leaving with a deepening fascination to fellowship with the one who has created you for his purpose and desires to show you more of his goodness every day. 